Time for Rolling. Welcome to Time for Rolling Esports, the weekly podcast that brings you Vainglory Esports. From predictions to recaps and analysis, we present to you the best in professional Vainglory. Now, here's your hosts, Inglis and Crude Sloth. It's Time for Rolling. Welcome to Time for Rolling Esports. Uh, today I am alone still. Crude Sloth has been busy, so uh, you have not heard him in a bit, but he'll be back soon. He's been working and doing some house hunting as you've heard him talk in the past. But I am instead joined with Viziok Analyst from Tribe. We are going to do some 3.3 breakdown. How's it going? Uh, it's, it's good. How are you? Pretty good. Just, uh, Getting over the five weeks of preseason, how we're uh, how things end up for Tribe. I know two losses for Tribe over the five the five weeks. Um, yeah, that was actually quite disappointing uh, result. We obviously wanted to to see if we could go seven zero, but um, TSM put out something that we've never seen before, and it's really smart from them. And as for Nova. Uh, we had a lot of mistakes against them that mm-hmm. we need to improve on. But yeah, otherwise, preseason was a good learning experience. Yeah, definitely probably a, a nice time for the players to play together in the competitive scene on 5v5. Um, we obviously don't have to get into it like a lot because that's not what the episode's about. But going into the VPL, are you interested in seeing how it's going to turn out with the 24 teams and the different kind of format style? Um, I think that having 24 teams instead of only eight is definitely going to, um, be interesting for the scene in the sense that they're like the challenger, um, scene is basically going to go into VPL Mm. and now they'll be directly up against the top teams in North America. So I think it's good for the competitive scene in terms of growth, but it's also kind of, um, unfair for those newer teams and it might like it op- it opens up the possibility for upsets but it also makes it so that um matches like might be extremely one-sided yeah i mean while it's exciting seeing you know the new teams come in and maybe find the new players that are going to be gods and start playing for better teams but like you already said it could be boring if we see tribe and tsm never getting to play each other because they have all these other teams to play so that'll be interesting to see how it works out overall we have 3.3 right now um i don't think we'll be seeing 3.3 for vpl i'm sure a new patch will kind of roll out when that starts um but I still want to take a chance to talk to you about the competitive scene on 3.3. That way people that play ranked a lot can kind of they can kind of hear your point of view of what is strong and what the, some of the changes that you are most interested in that maybe a lot of other people aren't seeing or noticing, definitely coming from an analyst. Um, but right away, the very top thing on the up to the balance changes page, we are obviously going right off of uh, from SEMC. First one is Ghostwing. So we had 25% change, and now we're back down to 15. Have they have they found the right medium yet for Ghost Swing? I think I do think that the 25% Ghost Swing structure, like structural damage buff, was a bit too much. 15%. I still think Ghost Swing is going to be pretty strong, but I don't think that it's going to be as um, overwhelming as it was in 3.2 because it was really it's kind of overpowered in 3.2 in my opinion. It it really closed out games fast. If like if you had Ghostwing control, you had a lot of um, map presence, and you could, and if, especially if you built a siege comp, you could easily dominate whichever part of the map that your team chooses to. So I think fifteen percent is a good is a good change for now. And if it, and if it's not, then I know that uh, Nivment or the balancing team will um, correct it to where it should be. But I do think fifteen percent is is a pretty good numerical change off the top of my head. 
So the barriers like change from 100 plus 40 to 60 plus 40. I mean, as a player, I haven't. I've been playing a lot of rank, but as like the professional players, the top tiers, do you think they notice that difference when it comes to the barrier when they're getting ghost wing? I do think that the barrier does play a pretty significant factor when it comes to like fighting during ghost wing. Um, what's interesting is that they change the the base barrier and not how much the barrier scales with because it still scales 40 per um, per level. So, mm-hmm. so I, I, I actually like this change a lot because this makes it so that early game Ghost Wing is still the, is like much weaker, but late game, it still scales the same amount. Obviously it's going to, it's not going, it's going to have like 40 less than it normally would have per level because they moved it from 100 to 60. But because the scaling is still the same, I do think that for the most part, late game, it should be similar. But early game, it's definitely going to reduce Ghost Wing's effect- effectiveness by a lot. And Ghost Wing was, was extremely, extremely effective in 3.2 when it came to like what it gave you. So back to the 25% damage to structures again, like that was pretty insane when it came to, take, when it came to like sieging turrets and whatnot. And the 100 barrier, now that it's down to 60, is really good because imagine having a hundred barrier at like at level um at level six at, at, or at six minutes or whatever and you have plus 25 like 125 percent of your normal damage against structures that's kind of insane so yeah I'm, I'm happy that they tuned down ghost wings early game a little yeah it'll be interesting to see as the months go on how black claw and ghost wing change and you know even just the health of maybe armories and the health of those last turrets to see how it can either slow down the game a bit or speed it up they've already done that type of tweaking through pbe and those types of testing as well so that'll be interesting i think black claw and ghost wing are going to continue to change until they find what works um hero balance changes the ones uh, to the listeners that have heard these types of episodes before, we're gonna hit on the ones that are important that are kind of really you know used a lot in the competitive scene. And someone that has a small change, we'll just say, yeah, it may change it, and we'll move on. Uh, so that's really up to Viziox and what he really wants to talk about and kind of harp on, because he obviously sees maybe some things that us in the normal competitive ranks don't notice or pay attention to. So you'll get the inside scoop here. First hero, though, is Baron. Uh, obviously, we saw a Baron be played against you guys. Kaz played a weapon power Baron. It wasn't really shown much, though, throughout the preseason. Uh, in 3.3, we have a cooldown reduction on his uh, jump jets per basic attack. The 8% is the 15%. Um, is Weapon Baron getting is this much of a buff, or is it that much of a change or nerf? I think that it's definitely a, a good buff to Baron, but I'm, I don't necessarily think that it's going to get Baron um, into the meta. I, I do like Baron with this buff um, better than he was in 3.2, because in 3.2, I, I honestly thought that he was quite weak, and that if we just snowballed cause and that in that game we played against TSM, that Baron wouldn't have had so much of an effect that game. But otherwise, I like the ch- I like the change because it makes it makes it so that Baron is a little more mobile on the on the bigger map as he has one of the slowest, if not the slowest. I'm pretty sure he has the slowest um, movement speed actually in the in the game. So I so by um, increasing the cooldown reduction for basic attack, I do think that. It makes him more mobile, which is really good for for him um, on mm-hmm. Sovereign's Rise. Yeah. But I don't. But like I said, I don't think he's going to be meta simply because um, even with the ghosting changes, there's still a lot of um, focus on early game. And unless you do what TSM did, which is like focus a lot of attention on Baron, and because Cause is, uh, is actually such a me- um, mechanically skilled player, I don't think that Baron is still going to be a dominating force in what the 3.3 meta um, will be. I mean, in my ranking games at POA right now, I'm still getting people that play CP Baron, which it works if you have a team that is definitely caring and playing well, but CP Baron does not always work out if a player is n- does not actually know how to play it. Hmm, let's see, next, next, Blackfeather. I mean... The changes are big, but I kind of was talking with Eidmonfish with an interview coming out later that he feels we talked about Blackfeather a bit, but some of these changes won't even affect the pro players because it's just not big enough. I was curious what your opinion is on Blackfeather and if he's still just as strong as he was before. 
Um, Blackfeather, I think that with his cooldown reduction, um, I do think that specifically Crystal Blackfeather got more of a buff than Weapon Power Blackfeather um, here. I, especially looking at his alt, um, his alt cooldown change. I, I think that Blackfeather is going to stay around in the meta. I, we haven't seen him too much in in 3.2, or at least, I mean, we in competitive, we have seen him a bit. I'm not sure about um, ranked, but Blackfeather was never really a number one, like, power pick. He was just kind of there, but now I think that with these changes, I think that Blackfeather could be making a comeback. But more specifically, rather than, like, a weapon power bot, Blackfeather, which we, which you know Daniel or Big Paws can play um, really well, I think it's more going to be uh, Crystal Blackfeather in jungle, if anything, because of mm -hmm. um, the cooldown reduction. That's interesting, yeah. All right, next is Celeste. 3.2 rank. Celeste was kind of banned a lot as a mid laner. Um, the nerfs come through on the supernova for the crystal ratio. Damage overall on Heliogenesis has been kind of tweaked. And the, tra the solar storm travel speed's down again. It was has been changed back and forth between how fast it travels. So they're kind of nerfing Celeste a little bit. I mean, competitive scene-wise... You know, you, we've seen old school we play it, we've seen Chuck play it. Is, it. is it that big of a change where maybe a mid laner like them would avoid picking up Celeste? Um, okay, so like I said earlier, I, the, the meta in competitive really revolves around um, winning early game. And, and so Samuel is the main thing that can win early game. Um, Samuel and um, Kestro, those are the two main things, in my opinion, that win... Um, most of the time in, when it comes to mid lane. But because everything is so weak, and if you don't have Samuel or, um, or Kestra up, uh, I, I still think that, Ke that Celeste is the next best option. Um, and, and that it can hold its own early game better than Scarf or Varya or CP Baron or whatever um, you'd play in mid. So I, I, I think that the changes to Celeste were good, but they're not enough to take her out of the meta. Uh, and I think that if if uh, certain picks such as Samuel or Kester in mid lane are denied, um, Celeste is the next best option if you want to hold your own in mid lane, especially if you pair it up with something that can like a, a good early game roamer that can apply a lot of lane pressure so that you can win mid lane. That's going to win you mid lane compared to any other roamer. Like I mean, compared to any other mid laner, for example, Varya. Like even with the nurse, less early game power. Um, compared to Varya, is a lot greater, especially because they also changed the um, base damage of Heliogenesis um, for late game and not really for early game too much. Nice, yeah. Celeste was definitely played. Uh, if it wasn't banned, it was definitely picked up in 3.2. But so far, we've been, since new Kensei, Kensei has been out, or Kensei, we've definitely been seeing more Malin because people are banning him now, and Malin is definitely getting through. So we'll get to Malin in a little bit. You did mention some roamers and captains. Me personally, Trent Walker's changes aren't crazy. I mean, he's a little faster. Um, I don't know if this is going to be any change where we'll see players start playing Trent Walker more or if it's still going to be more of a situational type pick. Going back to the winning mid lane thing, I do think Trent Walker is one of these um, aggressive roamers that can help you win mid lane. And this was seen in game four of the NACL finals, TSM versus tribe um when shady talent was on Turnwalker and absolutely like shut down old school early game um when old school was on varia which is like i said one of the weaker one of the weaker mid laners early game so i do think that with, with his hook and um with his hooks travel speed increased i do think that his early game presence is actually even stronger is even stronger now in mid lane and that he can harass mid, mid laners even harder which makes it so that picking a millennia that can hold their own is even more important than it was before. So I do think that even though his damage spread was nerfed, I think that because his um, the the travel speed was increased, his pressure um, in mid lane, at least in the early game, is going to was indirectly buffed because of it, and therefore Trinwalker has become an even stronger pick when it comes if you want to win mid lane. Nice. Well, the next hero is Glaive. So far, Glaive has been 
very, very highly contested in the rank queues for me personally. Um, he's really strong. He's got a lot of kind of buffs towards his weapon power path. And, I mean, also while you talk about Glaive, we might as well just mention Tension Bow, and you might as well talk about Tension Bow because Tension Bow has a uh, has been nerfed as well. And I was interested to see if that Tension Bow nerf on heroes like that Baron and Glaive, if it's actually a big enough nerf for heroes to not pick up an early game Tension Bow. Um, okay, so so when it comes to Glaive, uh, I know for Isle of Joseph specifically, he built Tension Bow Aftershock, and he... And he um, and we would play it so that he would burst down um, the enemy backline. So now that they buffed Glaive um, but nerfed Tension Bow, I actually think that this is a pretty solid change um, because he no longer has that the same um, burst power as he used to. Um, however, Glaive was really was at a pretty good point at three point. Two, um, but only with the tension bow aftershock build, in my opinion, not and not necessarily with the full on weapon power build. Even though I know Daniel liked that, and I know a few a few other um, ball laners or top laners or maybe even junglers liked um, building poison shift sorrow blade breaking mm -hmm. point. I think the build was so. I think that for players who like that type of grave playstyle, this is definitely a huge buff. But if, if you're playing grave um, with the proc build that Isle of Joseph used, then I think that Grave is going to stay quite similar. Um, the burst will not be there, and you might need to play it a little differently and not expect to like almost one-shot the enemy Celeste or whatever. But this time, um, you have to maybe play it a little more passively and not expect so much damage coming out of your um, afterburn and twisted stroke com combo when you initiate. But otherwise, like like I said, I think that it's a pretty good change. Um, it definitely brings um, Fallen Weapon Power Glaive back, and um, it keeps proc, it keeps the proc burst Glaive um, quite similar in terms of power, in my opinion. Sweet, it's interesting. We had definitely had the discussion of, well, do I in depth when I was playing Gwen or if I was playing Glaive, and I was like, well, do I build Tension Bow? Is it worth it? Is it that big of a nerf that I shouldn't build it now? So definitely always playing out with the sorrow blade versus tension bow and which one is which one is best in certain games idris divergent pass required threshold that's obviously been bumped up to 120 uh you know now you can't buy the five crystal bits and the boots and get your path unlocked i believe it'd have to be a little more than that which maybe will put idris back not wouldn't get to his power spike as quickly um, so I don't know if you would have anything major to talk about when it comes to the competitive scene with Idris or if, you know, he's still just as strong even though it takes a little longer for him to get those perks unlocked. I think that Idris, that this is actually a, a huge nerf to, to Idris's um, power because in 3.2, um, the the main point of Idris was to unlock his, his crystal power passive, which gives you a really, really strong early game. And now that... Uh, you can't do it, and you'd need uh, a total of six crystal bits instead of only five, which means that you can't get it after your first um, rotation. Uh, this is a pretty big nerf to to Idris, and I think that he just because of this, he's actually going to just straight up fall out of the meta unless you have some special rotation where Idris is actually able to acquire um, 1,200 gold after the first rotation, so you can get all six crystal bits, but. Even with that, I think that you're, you have all your item slots dedicated just to have crystal power, and it's pretty unhealthy to do that, in my opinion. So mm -hmm. I do think that this change actually just killed Idris from, from the meta. <laughs> that, I mean, I'm not against it. I was kind of tired of playing against him sometimes or having to pick him up so other team didn't. Um... But speaking of a hero that you either pick up or the other team plays is Kestrel. Kestrel is a hero that is very kind of that name is thrown out there when it comes to someone they just need to change and get rid of Crystal. I mean, they buffed Weapon, but Crystal is just as viable and still strong. So it's definitely interesting the route they took with Kestrel. And uh, I don't know. To me, it's Kestrel is still super strong in 3.3. Yeah, I definitely agree with this. I'm actually really surprised about this change. Um, 
I have a feeling that it's because of, it's because of Kensei's dive potential that Kensei can shut down um, CP Kestra, but I'm not entirely sure why CP Kestra wasn't touched after how strong she was in 3.2. And but as for weapon power Kestra, in terms of competitive, I actually think that this is not a not too bad of a change. But if they were to change weapon power Kestra the way they did, I do think that they should have nerfed her early game and buffed her late game, if anything. But instead, they, they chose to just buff both her early game and late game, which is <laughs> kind of surprising to me because her early game was really strong and she could pretty much win lane against any laner that, any top laner. Like, so, because Weapon Power Kestra doesn't normally play in bot lane. She could normally win her um, bot lane against any top laner in the meta in 3.2. Um, so now I'm really surprised that they actually increased her early game um, power because that means that she's just going to win um, her lane even harder. Um, but the late game buff is actually not too much of, this, of a surprise to me because um, once you got to late game, Weapon Power Kestra actually kind of fell off, believe it or not, in competitive, especially if um, the enemy team were to pick Sky or something that could kite really well. Um, Weapon Power Kestra simply could not keep up and would just get completely outkited and, and just destroyed. So I'm happy about that she got buffed late game. I'm just really surprised that mm -hmm. her early game was actually buffed and that crystal wasn't changed at all yeah that was interesting i know there was there was a little thread uh on twitter from truth uh that was quite interesting just about some different heroes reza being one of them but uh Nivmit said if something is too too weak on the lower tiers and they they change it to try to get the hero's win rate up a little bit so yeah Kestrel is definitely someone that's difficult to deal with and if you can uh play the right comp into it then you can get the win but if not yeah it can be it can definitely can be pretty difficult so we'll have to see how Kestrel changes overall throughout the next patch definitely heading into vpl uh for the the normal season kashka we don't really touch on too much some bonus movement speed has been changed so basically now kashka can't get from one side of the map to the other in like two seconds um it'll take her a little longer cruels uh he definitely got nerfed weapon power down and even life steals down so i would i feel like this is a pretty big hit to cruel i could be wrong but i feel like that definitely hurts cruel a lot I definitely agree with this. I think that his early game snowball potential has definitely been hit really hard. And um, while I think Cruel might still be viable in very specific scenarios, I think that this does ultimately take him out of the meta just like Idris, simply because he, his early game isn't there anymore. And late game, he honestly kind of falls off. So mm -hmm. um, with... Like reducing his early game weapon power and then reducing his early game life steal, I think that both of these components to Cruel were very essential in him maintaining um, jungle and lane pressure. Um, so I do think that this kind of knocks Cruel out of the um, out of the meta when it comes to when it comes to junglers because you're definitely looking for something in jungle that can help snowball your lanes and Cruel like um, and what and what Cruel still has his movement speed from his perk and everything and, and whatnot, like these two changes hit him pretty hard because he, he just won't sustain as hard and he won't, um, and he won't, and his ganking potential just goes down um, by a lot. Even though it's seven weapon power, this is actually um, pretty significant. I guess it adds up um, mm -hmm. every auto attack. Yeah. I mean, if you were up against a Cruel and you had to put your jungler on someone to kind of put pressure on that Cruel and make him fall behind, I mean, what hero right now would you want up against Cruel to try to take an advantage on him? Believe it or not, I'd probably pick Petal because Petal has always been um, a really good a really good counter to Cruel. And mm -hmm. also because Celeste was nerfed and um, Malin was nerfed and, and whatnot, like all these AoE heroes um, aren't going to be as effective against Petal anymore. Even Rona was nerfed. So like all these like heroes won't be too effective against her. I mean, they. I think that they're definitely still counters. But um, but I do think that it's also an indirect buff to Petal, which I don't think was touched in, in the 3.3 hmm. patch notes. Interesting. So Petal got a buff. <laughs> kind of. like Almost like an indirect buff. Right. And, and I'm kind of biased, though, because Joseph is such a good Petal. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, the next hero is like one of my favorite changes and most interesting just because it's fun to play. But Lance, he kind of has a lot of attack scale or attack speed per level. He has some we weapon ratio. 
Uh, I mean, Lance, is he going to be literally, could he be a viable jungler or even a laner with the poke he has? Or is it could be still just a, a captain option? Honestly, when it came to Lance being a, a captain, I didn't really like it in 3.2 either. And I know that I drafted it a few times, but that was mainly because I didn't prioritize my my like the Romer position as much and because Gabe was such a good Lance. But otherwise, I didn't really like Lance too much uh, as a Romer. But now that... And now that these changes um, hit Lance in 3.3, I do think that his that if you put him in Rome, his potential is wasted even more than it was in 3.2. <laughs> and that um, I do think weapon power Lance or some type of carry Lance, some type of carry Lance might actually be somewhat um, viable into specific compositions. And the reason why I say this is because Lance has really good ganking potential. He has. Um, a ton of CC and his uh, ultimate can reposition him so he can secure a kill or um, secure secure a good like knockback with his gifting mm. wall. So I do think Lance is really good at ganking, which would make him a good um, a good jungler. Um, and also because um, historically his kit has been really good early game, like his weapon power scaling really good early game. Um, and that's what junglers kind of need right now, especially with weapon power buff. So I, I can definitely see Lance being a jungler. As for lane, um, I do think lane is, is viable, but if anything, I'd, I'd put him in jungle. But for lane, his perk is really nice for like, helping him sustain um, and not um, getting too poked up by the enemy laner. He's definitely interesting. We've been playing him um, on casuals when we were messing around beginning of 3.3 and against people that are bad. Lane Lance is really fun because they don't understand how much range he actually has. You can just continually bully them out of their farm. It's it's pretty entertaining. I don't know how it is high, high tier. I've not been playing it up there. But um, next is Lyra. This is a hero that I was kind of one-tricking in 3.2 just because of the Imperial Sigil damage and an Arcane Passage with a little bit of team synergy. It was really, really strong. And it's still strong even now in 3.3. But... Uh, they kind of are forcing Lyra to be more vulnerable by upping the ratio, crystal ratio, on like the auto attacks and then putting the ratio down on the Imperial Sigils. So, like kind of less poke and trying to force a CP Lyra to be kind of closer to the fight, I would say. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think that this is actually a really good change for Lyra because because carry Lyra was actually really, really strong um, late game. But it was really weak early game. Like your laning phase was really bad because mm-hmm. of how of how bad your um, auto attacks were at, at clear minions and how bad Lyra is at trading. Even though she has sustain and she has a, a and she has pretty good poke. Um, with this change, I do think it makes her more centered onto autos and less onto throwing out her heal to damage um, opponents, which I actually like better because I think that it makes Lyra like require much more skill than it did in three point where all you had to do was just throw out your heal and uh, and chunk someone for like a third of their health. <laughs> yeah. Like like now that they have it that they're promoting alternating current, I guess, a little more on Lyra, it brings back the old CP Lyra and the old CP Lyra I think um is the better is the better version in terms of like um gameplay wise and in terms of like skill skill wise, I think that um it's definitely more the route that SMC um, should take when it comes to Lyra instead of just using her heal to burst down people. What, but what I'm surprised about is Lyra was like the Rome Lyra wasn't really changed at all. I I guess her her damage is kind of decreased in a way, even though it's only um, crystal ratios that were decreased, so it won't really affect Lyra and Rome Lyra anyway because no one builds crystal on Rome Lyra for the most part. But I think that. Lyra is still going to be one of the best roamers when it comes to winning mid- your mid lane matchup, and that I'm qu- I'm kind of surprised that they decided to stick with this rather than increasing like the diversity and what people can play in mid lane. Yeah, I still so I still think Lyra is going to be a really strong roamer just because they didn't change anything when it yeah. came to Rome Lyra. Yeah, Rome Lyra is definitely still really strong and definitely useful in in most comps. Um, next is Malene. Definitely want you to break this one down just so people can understand how big changes these were. Uh, a lot to do with the enchanted transformation. Some cooldowns have been changed. Uh, the slows, the damage on the enchanted transformation. 
I mean, Aftershock Shattered Glass Moline is still really strong, uh, but have you been seeing any of this really in scrims now since we're on 3.3, and have you been seeing anyone prioritize Moline in that mid lane position? Okay, so these Moline changes, I think many people would think that this is like a good change to Moline, but I honestly think that Moline is still very much a very, very strong pick when it, came, when it comes to mid lane. Um, I forgot to mention her when I mentioned like the good early game mid laners. So I mentioned Samuel and Kestrel, I think, but Malia is definitely up there as well. And mm -hmm. like, if you need the early game uh, mid lane pressure for the most part if you want to have control of like the early game. Um, if that makes sense. So I still think Malia is definitely a pick that can still do this, even though um, even though she was nerfed, especially because more of her nerfs were focused to like. Um, to late game more than they were focused to early game. Mm -hmm. she, she was still nerfed early game, but I do think that she's still one of the mid laners that can hold her own in mid lane, and this is very important. And because she still has the ability to hold her own in mid lane, she's still very much a very powerful mid lane pick because you need something that can hold um, their own in mid lane because losing mid lane is really, really bad. So I do think that she's still up there. And even though she was nerfed quite hard, like many of her stats, um, were nerfed. I th I think that she's definitely still a viable pick and still very powerful in mid lane. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely definitely times that a Moline is being played by someone who's trying to play Moline just because they know she's strong, but they have no idea how to play her. So it's pretty painful to watch. Um, but yeah, Moline overall is still pretty powerful in in the rank. Next is Ozo. We've literally been seeing people play Ozo, banning a Lance, trying to pick up the Ozo. Weapon power ratio has been brought back. There used to be zero, and now we're at 20-20-40. Uh, so, I mean, do you like these Ozo changes? Are you excited to maybe see some weapon power Ozo? I think that these Ozo changes are actually um, are actually quite significant because Ozo before, in my opinion, was actually not bad of um, was actually not bad of a pick. Like, I I don't think Ozo is a complete um, potato as many people. <laughs> Uh, made him out to be. I, I did think Ozo was viable, but I I agreed that he wasn't that strong just because his early game lane phase um, ganking potential was like just not that good. Um, but now with his increased weapon ratio, I do think that his ganking potential has definitely increased a lot. Um, because now he'll have a lot of bursts, especially if he has weapon power buff. That's an incredible amount of bursts when it comes to um, um, lane phase where he can gank it, um, the enemy laners. But but a lot of, um, okay, but something that's overlooked with these changes is that even though they increase his weapon power ratio, this also technically also, like, increases his survivability and his sustain. This makes him actually more tanky because, um, because of his passive and how he can heal up. Mm -hmm. So because he deals more damage, this also makes him more tanky, which is quite insane. That's why, I, and this is actually the most important part about this change, in my opinion, how, and what makes it um, incredibly significant. It's that, his change allows him to be to have more damage, which means more gank potential. But it also makes him more tanky when it comes to team fights, or when it comes to um, trades and whatnot. So yeah. I definitely think that this is actually quite big for for Ozo, and I do think that he will be um, that he might be meta um, in ranked. But I'm not entirely too sure about this because Ozo's skill cap is is pretty is like not the lowest, so. You do need some skill to play him, yeah. but if you do have the skill, I do think that he's definitely a strong, a strong pick, especially with the right comp. Yeah, we've definitely been abusing Ozo on rank so far. The trio I normally play with, our junglers, Polly is pretty good with one power Ozo, and it's he even says it's just stupid that some that when he survives, when he never thought he was going to, because of the heal he gets off of his off of his passive, and it can people just don't understand that even though you think you're about to kill this Ozo, a few uh, three ring yeah. circus, and you do not understand the amount of heal that can come out. Exactly, and and his passive wasn't changed at all, and that's simply because the weapon power ratio makes him do more damage, which makes him have more life steal, and that's what makes him super tanky. Mm -hmm. And I think that. A lot of people actually overlook this that his that he actually indirectly became more tanky because he got more damage. But yeah, that's actually a huge part of this Ozo change that um, people may have overlooked. Right. Um, yeah, and I do think that Ozo was pretty strong before, um, not not too viable, but he wasn't a complete potato like I said. So I do think that this is 
uh, a buff that might be a little overkill, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting to see if that's a regretted buff. Um, Rhyme is next. You got a movement speed buff up a little bit. Make the grandpa a little faster. His winter spire. Spire has uh, some crystal ratio. First impact change. Second impact's been changed. It's up a little bit. Maybe make Rhyme a little more meta, a little more impactful. I haven't quite seen them yet. I've seen a few people try to play it when it's a specific counter, but overall I would say the changes are decent for Rhyme. I do think that this makes him really good into um, into melee compositions. Um, for the most part, his ganking potential is kind of still lackluster, even though he has better, even though he has greater movement speed, which allows him to rotate through certain parts of the map um, faster. I think his ganking potential is still kind of weak, and that and and having good ganking potential is really good for um like you need high movement speed for ganking, and you need like a good kit for ganking. And while he has a high movement speed, he doesn't have the kit to gank really because right. he needs to get he needs to apply his uh his perk in order for him to root enemies. So until he gets level six, which is really late um as a jungler already, like you miss a lot of laning phase. You, you can't really gank, because once you hit level 6, you finally get your ult. But at that point, it's kind of already like, too late, and then you didn't snowball your lanes hard enough. So I think that but I think that his other changes, like his increased damage and his increased crystal ratios, definitely make him a much better team fighter. And this, like Ozo, makes him um, more tanky, especially if you build Eve of Harvest or something. Um, so in team, in team fights, I think that he's definitely much stronger, and he's definitely viable if the enemy team picks three or maybe four melees, and they want to dive your backline. Therefore, they'll all they'll all be like on top of your backline, and Rhyme can literally just destroy everyone. So I think Rhyme is definitely good when it comes to that sense. Um, but his ganking potential simply isn't quite there yet. Unless you rush tier two boots or something, I don't think that his ganking potential is too good. So if you were ever to play him. Um, it'd be kind of a weird pick because you'd have to play like a late game team fighting jungler, which is kind of off meta right now because what you want to do typically is have a jungler that can gank and pressure lanes really, really hard. I mean, you keep saying rhyme jungle, but you haven't mentioned anything about rhyme top. Is that not a thing? Can that not be done? <laughs> okay. So rhyme top, um, I do think with Rhyme Top, you're kind of wasting his movement speed buff because you're you're just going to be sitting in lane. Yeah. But I, I do think that his crystal changes actually make it so that if Rhyme Top gets to late game or whatever, with all the farm that he's going to get from lane phase, he's actually going to be really, really strong. So if so actually, this is a very good point. If you want to play the, the team fighting Rhyme type of thing, then don't play him in jungle and you should play him in top. But... If you, if you want to try, like, the tier 2 boots rush or whatever, mm -hmm. and and try to play, like, a gank rhyme, then, yeah, you you should play him in jungle. But uh, the bot lane meta kind of is kind of good into rhyme at the, at the same time. So yeah. uh, rhyme might have a hard time in top lane. Like, if you if a team were to pick uh, Vox, Sky, uh, Kester or something, I think that rhyme is definitely going to get bullied out of top lane. Mm-hmm. All right, next, highly debated, highly talked about Reza. A lot of changes, even something new added with the decaying movement speed. I mean, Reza overall, is Reza the strongest right now? Is Reza someone that should definitely, if I guess you were ranking someone that should be banned away? I think right now, in most of my games in 3.3 and ranked, uh, we've been banning Reza, or someone's been banning Reza almost every game. Um, I think that Reza is really, really strong now with this change. Um, maybe, like, I know, like, a lot of the things weren't changed that much. Like, um, for example, post-dash log time only changed by 0.1 seconds. That there's literally no um, log time anymore. Mm -hmm. And this is pretty, like, this is pretty um, big, but it's not, like, game-breaking, if that makes sense. So right. I, I don't think that the reso changes were, like, um, super big and that it was, like, quite a small buff. But, but the problem is... I don't think Reza needed a buff at all. I think Reza was actually pretty good where he was in 3.2, and this buff really surprised me. Um, because in my opinion, if I were them, I would like either maybe nerf it very, very slightly because of how strong his um, his burst was, or I would just literally not touch Reza at all because he's really 
he was really good where he was. Um, so now that they buffed him, I do think that he's he's a really really strong pick, which makes sense why you're why you're either banning him or the enemy team's banning him in your ranked games. And I think that he's definitely a counter to anything that's squishy. Yeah. And that like, I do think that with the rather changes, he's definitely like first or second pick worthy, maybe or 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 something like that, because he's so strong into a lot of squishy picks, which is kind of the meta um, right now, at least in competitive. Like to have a, like squishy backlines, while um, and having a few tanks to frontline for your team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Reza will be interesting to see, especially if I we get to pick him up in a game to see how strong he actually is. I really don't think we've played him in one game yet. Um, let's see, Ringo's next. I mean, Ringo hasn't been like around. He hasn't been gone either, but his health has been kind of bumped up a little bit, and his cooldown is on the twirling so silver has been changed. So, I mean, you think Ringo will be more viable in certain situations for uh, the ranker comp scene? I think Ringo will be more viable, but I don't think he will be meta um, at all, actually, because I think that even though his health was increased, he's still quite squishy, especially with his kid. He he doesn't really have a really good escape. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though his turning silver um, cooldown is down, I think that it's not enough to bring back the old spell sword build on him. so with so with this change, I do think that he's definitely better early game. But with with how many things counter Ringo, like there are like so many things counter Ringo, and it's just relatively unsafe to like it's it's just dangerous to play this play this hero because of, of how many things counter him and the fact that his stats aren't too aren't like good enough to beat everything that counters him. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um. His early game lane presence is still good, but he's definitely a situational pick. And if you do pick him, I think that your win condition is going to be very narrow. It, you, you, you have a win condition for sure. Like he, his early game is really strong. Um, but because of his narrow win condition, if you don't execute um, your win condition and win early game, like, like what we did in, the, in BPL against TSM, then... Uh, you're kind of screwed if you pick if you pick Ringo because so many things counter him, and if you don't abuse your early game power, you're kind of uh, in a very bad spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ringo is definitely people that play Ringo can be very aggressive and get absolutely blown up. A Ringo is so squishy, um, so you definitely have to stay safe and play behind some uh, some tanky heroes. Rona, though, speaking of tanky. Rona definitely got uh, some changes in this patch and haven't been seeing it as much in 3.3, but I feel like Rona can still be still be strong, but I don't know how it would be in the top tiers. Um, I actually think that this takes Rona um, out of the meta for the most part and makes her a situational pick. So for teams like TSM uh, and maybe for other teams, and maybe even in rank queue, I guess it's meta in rank queue because... Um, of how Rona's played. Uh, um, so with these changes, I think that Rona becomes more of a situational pick rather than a power pick for your bot laner or top laner or a jungler or, whatever, or wherever you would normally play her. Um, with these Rona changes, I think that her late game power is definitely not as strong and her early game trading potential is not as strong either. Um, I do think that she wins lane matchups like she used to, but with these changes, I think that she's kind of she's kind of too a little too weak, if that makes sense, into into what people might pick. So yeah. uh, it's definitely more of a situational pick. Maybe if you don't want to pick Rhyme, you could pick Rona into triple melee or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't think that uh, the changes were necessarily. Like needed to this extent. Like this is a pretty, pretty big nerf. Five percent is actually um, on Rona. Five percent is actually pretty, pretty big. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see if she sticks around at all, and at least the tier that I'm at. If people still try to play Rona a lot, because if you don't play her against her right, she can still kind of dominate. Um, Scarf's last. He just. Crystal Ratios got changed on Spitfire, but his, like, Dragon Breath has been changed and upped a lot, so it's more of, like, 
hey, stack your Spitfire, get some stacks, and then all using your Dragon's Breath to try to melt people, which is definitely kind of an interesting play style for Scarf. It's been changed instead of just poking, poking, and you definitely want to try to get towards the Dragon's Breath, I feel like. Um, do you feel like this is a interesting change overall for Scarf? Um, I definitely think it's interesting, but I'm not sure if it's the correct change for Scarf. Um, for him to be based more around his ultimate and for him to just stack Dragon's Eye with his Spitfire is an interesting change to me because um, it makes him less of a mage and more of an in-your-face, um, an in-your-face, like, initiate, an initiator, if that makes sense. And, mm -hmm. and he's a mage, so it puts Scarf kind of in a weird position. And I think that his his uh, late game team fighting is definitely going to be strong against specific comps that um, would get abused, like would, that you could exploit your dragon's breath with uh, against, for example, maybe comps that that are like immobile or comps that um, don't have a lot of poke against you, so that you you can just go in um, without being poked out at first and whatnot. So. Yeah. I do think that is an interesting change, but I don't think that it's where they should have gone with Scarf because now he's his kit is like kind of weird. Like he wants to be in your face, and he kind of wants to be, um, like he wants to be in your face as like a squishy mage. It's kind of it's kind of um, counterintuitive. If that makes sense. Right, and I feel like they've that's kind of like been the whole theme overall. Like, like look at Lyra and Celeste, and now Scarf. Those were three yeah. of the big heroes in three point two. They poked, they poked, and they kind of took a lot of that poke away and trying to force people to play more unsafe and not have a poke battle, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Something I forgot to mention, like, um, because they, they're kind of nerfing how strong poke is, uh, this kind of affects Lyra's effectiveness because Lyra was really good into this poke. And now that this poke isn't even there anymore, I actually, like, this can be seen as a good thing and a bad thing. One, um, Lyra won't be as contested because you won't need Lyra to have this um to have the sustain against the poke but at the same time it's also good for lyra because lyra now that she doesn't have to worry about the poke she can just focus on her heals in team fights which kind of makes her even stronger so it's kind of like a buff and a nerf to mm -hmm. lyra's heal if that makes sense yeah that is interesting a lot of people were trying to play that lyra as a counter um but that's all the heroes is a lot overall some small changes some uh you know pretty significant ones with a lot of different heroes and as Viziox was saying it can change play styles not just for specific heroes but a play style overall on the rise um there were some you know item changes overall uh atlas pauldron i mean i feel like some people weren't even building atlas pauldron because the attack speed reduction wasn't enough i mean now we have a full 15 percent buff here i mean do you think that's a lot uh when it comes to actually stopping someone that has a lot of attack speed um, yeah, I think that this, that this Atlas Pauldron change is, um, is not going to be too, like, noticed visually, but it's definitely going to make an impact in teamfights, and I think that this indirectly nerfs, um, every single weapon power carry, or, or every single CP carry, even, that relies on, so again, this is, like, another reason why Ringo is kind of bad, because this is another nerf to Ringo, in a way, if that makes yes. sense, but, um, yeah, like Atlas Pauldron, uh, not necessarily sure if the change was needed, but it, it, I don't disagree with it, and it's, and it's okay, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, the next item is one of the ones I'm most interested about is uh, the Frostburn. It has been upped all the way up to 100 CP, and it's kind of... They're trying to put it back in the meta and an item people will buy. We haven't seen Frostburn. We haven't seen Eva Harvest really around for a long time. I'm interested if what your opinions are for a mid laner, what they should be buying now. Are they buying Spellfire still? Are they buying Frostburn still now that Spellfire got changed with the burn damage being changed a little bit? I'm just interested when it comes to that CP path, what is maybe the most optimal build path? Um, Taking into account the Spellfire change, I don't think Spellfire was as strong as it was before. Like with Spellfire, you can literally get it first item and it, and it often beat out Shatterglass's damage um, when you look at um, the total damage it, it would do, including burn. So that, so I don't think Spellfire is as prominent as the first item anymore. But I do think Frostburn could be a potential first item. And we've been seeing this a lot um, in East Asia specifically. Um, they like building Frostburn on like Samuel and uh, on Scarf. So I think that 
this could potentially be um, what brings it into NA because EA was doing this in 3.2. So I'm so I'm pretty sure that they're con- going to continue to do this in 3.3 because they already did it um, in 3.2 and it got buffed. So yeah, it would make sense for them to keep doing it. And this might be the thing that brings it into NA. And I think it, it's really good when it comes to mid lane if you want to um, if you want to have high damage while also giving some utility for your team um, in team fights, especially if the com- if the enemy has like a kite comp or or a lot of melees on their team, because then you could either kite them or you could cancel their kite if that makes sense. So if you have a lot of fortified health or some type of healing like that, your Spellfire is still an item that you may want to pick up on a mage, but it's not necessarily something that you want to first first item pick like we have been seeing. Definitely. I do think Spellfire is still a really, really powerful item. It's just not, um, it's just not a late-game item anymore because... I mean, no, not a late-game item. What am I saying? It's, it's just not a first-pick item anymore because, um, because of the change. Like... It doesn't beat out um, Shattered Glass like it used to. So if I was on Samuel right now mid lane, what core items would I have CP-wise? Um, are you going for a triple offensive or like a quadruple offensive build? The four items, yes. <laughs> okay, so four items. So if you're going for four items, um, if you're against a team that you can poke against, I'd go... Dragon's Eye, Clockwork, um, Broken Myth, and then your last item is kind of situational. Um, so you, so for your last, so for your last item, you can either go for um, Frostburn, Shatter, um, Eve, maybe like like it, it it doesn't really like matter. It just more it just matters more on what um, you kind of need at that point of the game because. Your your main your core items are, are on Samuel are always going to be either um, Dragon's Eye or Frostburn first in my opinion because I think that um, these two items beat out Shatter Glass in terms of effectiveness and then your second item will pretty much always be Clockwork because your cooldown your B like makes it so that it's almost like always up mm-hmm. and then your third item um, probably Broken Mythias. Um, at this point, teams might be building a lot of shield, and it's and it's good for um, taking taking objectives and whatnot. Yeah, love it. All right. If you're against um, a poke comp, probably not Dragon's Eye, because you might get a poke there. You you might want to opt for either um, Frostburn, so they can't kite into you if you're trying to kite back, um, or um, if you really wanted to, you could go for Shatter in that case. That'd be like another case for Shatter, maybe. But yeah, otherwise, your core items um, first, probably most likely Dragon's Eye or Frostburn, then Clockwork, then Broken Myth, then something else that you think you need at that point in the game. And like that could be Spellfire or Dragon's Eye if you didn't pick up first item or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Stormcrown, nerfing it again, trying to get rid of it. Is it going to be successful, or is it still going to be useful? Um, I think that this definitely makes it so that the top lane meta kind of shifts away from all the Stormcrown, all the Stormcrown heroes, and that we start seeing more of what T- TSM plays in top, which is like a late game carry. Like Hammy normally plays Sky, Lorelai, or something that can really carry in the late game um, rather than the, the typical Stormcrown heroes that we see from a lot of teams, including Tribe, where Max plays like Grace or whatever. So I think that this t- kind of takes away the the tanky Stormcrown top lane meta and makes it more towards uh, what TSM was doing in 3.2 where they would have a late game carry. Um, so yeah, I actually think that, th- that these nurses Stormcrown and Stormguard banner are pretty significant and that... Um, there and it kind of takes away the tank top meta that we got used to in 3.2. Yeah. Uh, last time was tension bow. We kind of already discussed it a little bit. Just the passive damage is down by 30. Um, I mean, is there still going to be times that you may build the tension bow, and or or should you just go to the, sh- the sorrow blade instead? Um, 
in very specific scenarios, I think the attention bow is still a very valuable item because um, it's cheap, and if you really want to abuse some kind of power spike that you have or something on the map um, where you can have attention bow and not, um, instead of sorrow blade, because sorrow blade is like a lot, as like 950 gold more than tension bow. Um, then yeah, I think tension bow is still valuable because 950 gold. That's that's like quite a bit. Um, and if you really need something to fight, it's it's kind of like an infusion at, at that moment. Like if you think that you can get something huge on the map with tension bow instead of star blade, then I'd I'd still pick up the tension bow and win that team fight and then just snowball the game from there. So I think it's definitely viable, but it's certainly not going to be picked up. Um, like as much in 3.3 um, 3 as it was in 3.2 because in 3.2 it was mainly picked up if you for like gank heavy um, junglers or some or something that you wanted to win early game with and now that they kind of take out the burst from that um, it's definitely not as good as what it was used for which is why I think it's gonna um, leave the meta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, we are at the hour mark. I don't want to hold you too much longer. I have a few more things I just want to cover real quick. Kensai, or Kensei, obviously, is a new hero. Quick thoughts on him and how his play style is and how you just can imagine him, you know, kind of, I guess, the path he's going to take when it comes to the comp scene. I think Kensei is another nerf to every single backline, um, <laughs> to every single backline hero. I think that Kensei is a dive is a dive hero, and I think that while many people um, still like Celeste, if anything, this is what's going to take Celeste out of the meta. Not um, not her nurse, but Kensei is what's going to take her out of the meta because he literally can just dive her, and Celeste, is, and Celeste just gets deleted. Um, so I think that Kensei is definitely a very strong pick um, into, any, into any backliner, especially... Um, especially Celeste. Um, but even such, like I said before, Celeste is such a good mid laner in lane phase that she's, like, she's pretty much necessary to pick if you don't want to lose um, lane phase and no other um, mid lane heroes up. So yeah. I, I think Kenta is going to be played as a dive hero. I think, he's, I think he's pretty strong, and I think that he counters um, backline heroes. Um, and how I would play against Kensei is I'd pressure him really hard early game because his early game um, sucks, in my opinion. But if you let him get the late game, that's really, really, really bad because he can just dive your backline and your backline gets destroyed. Yeah, it is definitely... You can definitely notice his early game compared to his late game. Early game, you feel like you're not doing anything, and then as soon as you hit a certain point and have a few of those core items, you absolutely can destroy. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. He's not been played once in a ranked game I've been in. He's been banned every time. But we've been seeing more Moline because now we're spending more bands on Kensei. So it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. The last thing I want to do, even though you're more of the comp scene and you deal more with your players, and that's, you know, you look at heroes for your players, let's just go through each role real quick. And I just want you to give two of the two of the heroes that you would try to pick up if you were, you know, you know, drafting for your team. So let's just start with the mid lane. Who are the two top ones? I think you kind of already mentioned like Sam, I would say, would be one of the top ones. Um, who would another mid laner be? I think my top two for mid lane would probably be Sam or Malian. Okay. I, yeah, I think those two picks like can hold their own in mid lane really well, and that's really important when it comes to mid lane. All right, let's go bot lane now. Bot lane, um, weapon power path. Gwen, I know a lot of people play in my rank queue. What do you guys do in the comp scene wise? Um, this one, it kind of depends on what t what type of team you are. If you're a TSM, I think that you would definitely play something like Glaive or Kensei, something that's kind of tanky and that's and it kind of scales into late, into late game because that's what they kind of do um, when it comes to bot lane. But for but if you want to play like a bot centric comp, like what EA does, like what Tribe normally does, then I think that the two power picks in bot lane would probably be Kestrel and maybe um, maybe Vox, but Vox isn't really too strong early game. But he he's still definitely a power pick, I think. When it, if you want to like win late game team fights, and that's a so, weapon yeah, power think, Kestrel, right? Yeah, weapon power Kestrel in bot. 
this like like I said, like one podcaster bot pretty much never loses her her lane. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, top lane then. Um, top lane. I think we move away from this storm crown uh, meta, and I think that Samuel is a good top laner, even though I mentioned him for mid. Uh, I think Reza is definitely going to come back because Reza was already strong, pretty strong in top lane, and now he's even stronger. Um, because I already mentioned Sam for mid, I should mention one more for top, and uh, I think that could be uh, Kensei, I think. I think Kensei is, is pretty good in top um, as well. If if you want to play more of a defensive top, because this time, like I said, you're not going to be making any plays with Kensei early game until you get um, your second tier 3 for the most part. That's when Kensei really hits his power spike. Um, once you get to second three three, so for the most part, you're not going to be doing anything. But if you want to play more defensively, I think Kensei is a good top laner. Has Adagio is Adagio still being picked up and played in certain lanes? I still feel like I've been seeing some CP Adagio. Uh, some I think CP Adagio is pretty good, but I I'm not necessarily quite too sure as of right now if it's better than. Um, other picks that are available for that position. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think Wemper Adagio is still pretty strong, especially if you want to snowball bot lane. But Storm Crown, the, the Storm Crown Adagio thing kind of is obviously gone because they nerfed Storm Crown. Um, CP Adagio as in like alternating current Shadow Glass or, or whatever, um, I, I could see it, but um, I, I can't really judge it too much because I haven't seen it um, personally. I do mm-hmm. think it's got a pretty strong... Um, Team fighting, like team fighting though. I'm not sure about lane phase. Yeah. All right, let's do jungle. Okay, so for jungle, I think Glaive is up there because Glaive, um, because Glaive got um, significantly buffed mm-hmm. and he was already strong before and his gank potential is really good. His early game is really good. He basically has everything that he needs to be a good, like, a good jungler. Um, and then I think Kestra is there. Because CB Kestra wasn't touched at all. CB Kestra <laughs> was one of the best junglers in 3.2. And I think that Kestra is still going to be one of the best junglers in 3.3 with how much snowball potential that she has. Um, so yeah, I think Kestra and Glaive are going to be two really good junglers in 3.3. Sweet. All right, Captain's last. Okay, so for Captain's, um, I think that you need to you really need to win mid lane. Um, so... I would say Lyra because her sustain is really good and um, and she pretty much wins mid lane with a lot of um, with a lot of heroes. She synergizes with a lot of heroes. Like if you have Sam or Malin with Lyra, that's pretty much a guaranteed win in mid. Um, so I think Lyra is really good in mid. And uh, for my next best, I would say maybe. Maybe churn because churn was also was also buffed and his mid lane presence is is going to be really strong, but I'm not too sure about that. Mm-hmm. It, like I think that second place after Lyra is kind of like a tie between many things. Yeah. Like I think churn's up there. Um, Kath actually was really good um, at the end of 3.2, so she's probably up there as well. Uh, and yeah, so I think that churn is going to be. Uh, up there, but I'm not sure if he's truly second after Lyra. Yeah. I feel like captain position is different <clears throat> and kind of weird overall. So for people that listen that maybe play captain and sometimes they just spend too too much time roaming around, I mean, would you say the best thing to do as a captain is to stay mid lane and make sure you win mid lane? Like, let's say your top lane's being bullied out. Do you waste your time going up there to help? Or is it best just to stick in mid lane and make sure that mid laner stays safe and can push the mid lane and win the mid lane? I think it depends on what your composition is. Like, for example, if, if your top laner is going to be what carries you late game, then you need to help your top lane, obviously, and make sure that they don't get absolutely shut down. Otherwise, if they get absolutely shut down, you basically lose the game because you're not going to have any late game presence. Um, but for the most part, you're trying to win two lanes and lose one, or win all three lanes and, and lose um, none. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's really hard to do this, and sometimes you have to sacrifice two lanes just to win one, but I'd, I'd help top lane if your top lane is a carry late game, 
or if mid lane doesn't need help at that specific moment. And because it's really hard to get the mid lane turret. So once you so once like you're finished with mid lane, um, and the only thing left is to take the turret, I just do something else because at that point you're most likely not going to take the turret unless your bot laner or your jungler or something or someone rotates up to mid or rotates to mid lane and to help siege the turret with you. Otherwise, if that doesn't happen, then once you're finished in mid lane, like pushing or whatever, then you might as well just leave because you, you either trade um, trade the enemy mid lane and force them to back and then you can rotate or you just rotate immediately on the spot so that you can help another lane and snowball their lane. Mm. Yeah, I feel like sometimes captains just feel like they have to continuously go help someone else. Like, I, I get it, but a lot of laners just assume that they deserve the help and they want they want the captain to come down and help them and win their lane but yeah sometimes you just have to sacrifice and you've already lost the lane you just let it go and try to focus on the one way the one lane that you maybe could win so yeah it's definitely yeah. good advice i think that like when it comes down to two situations like that you really want to look um at what your end like what, what your win condition is and whatever option is best to fulfill your win condition and deny the enemy win condition is what you should do because ultimately that's what it comes down to. It, it it doesn't come down to losing a lane or or and whatnot. It comes down to destroying the enemy vein crystal. So you should definitely look, you should you should definitely play to your win condition more than you should play to oh this this lane is losing. We should help this lane just because they're losing. No, like I think that you should definitely like all your decisions should play as much as possible to what your win condition with with your comp is against the enemy comp. Mm hmm Sweet. All right. Well. I mean, we've been recording for an hour. We've covered a lot of information. You gave a lot of good, uh, you know, breakdowns of heroes and a lot. It's going to be helpful for some people that are trying to, you know, rank up. Um, you've been giving some inside scoop at the comp scene. Uh, you guys have a break now. Are you guys just going to continue scrimming, continue practicing with different, you know, teams, different maybe even regions heading into the VPL? Um, most likely. Um, we definitely have a lot of internal things to work out. Um... And I think like I think most of most of our things like going into this VPL preseason like most of our problems aren't actually like m m like mechanical problems or like draft problems really is more it's more of like some internal issues that we have to deal with um, and I think that once we fix those internal issues which I think should be pretty easy um, we should be good to go and yeah so we're, so we're just gonna keep scrimming for. Um, the meantime, until VPL actually starts. Sweet. All right. Well, good luck. Thanks again for coming on and uh, discussing from 3.3. Um, we'll have to chat with you uh, soon. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Time for Rolling. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review on iTunes or Google Play Music and subscribe for weekly episodes. Follow us on Twitter at Time for Rolling and at TFR underscore esports. Until next week for another edition of Time for Rolling.